0: To Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster, and I'm joined by two guys who think I'm about to make a comment about daylight savings. What's <laughs> up, Chuck and <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did. I
1: really did. Dave. Dave, um, hi, my name is Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. But the underlying theme of Potadelphia really has been Dave marvels at time changes. (laughs) So I I, I really did expect that to happen and then kind of forgot about it. But um, yes, Dave, I did expect you to make a, uh, a, I knew it, a daylight savings time joke.
2: This is Gene Lank. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, I was all prepped to be like, yeah, you could find me an hour ago. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, you've completely blown my I whole know, I threw you guys punchline. Off. But, uh, and I, I mean, you're, it's a missing, missed opportunity because by next year, I'm sure that this whole time change thing is going to be resolved through Congress and everybody's just going to stay on one time. In fact, maybe we'll all be on the same time zone. It'll be great. Sure. So... Uh... <laughs>
0: where I work, I work in a contact center and we have two sites. We have one site that is in New Jersey. The other site is in Arizona. And as I'm sure you guys know, Arizona does not observe daylight savings. So they never change their time. And I, uh, we've had some issues with late coverage at night. Um, and the workforce team assured me that when we spring forward, since they don't, uh, that'll solve some of our late shift coverage. And while I understand it now, and I will not take everyone through the machinations of how that does work. I'm just keep saying I'm, we're springing forward. They're not, we're moving another hour further away from them. How does it help later in the evening? And I had to run through that scenario about 25 times at out loud before I was able to comprehend it.
1: So yes, Chuck, I do have trouble. <laughs> with time changes well i i just hope someone got fired over this it's like you're a filthy liar get out of <laughs> my face if anybody mean? could get fired over it because it would be me because i don't understand it mountain standard time. time all year i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs>
0: but hey uh you know what what doesn't change like the clocks. The Flyers, because they keep on winning games.
1: Wonderful. I wonderful. I tried. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I heard it. I heard the pause. It's a valiant effort, right? I was like, I got to bring this back to sports somehow.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a hell of a week. What's happened since the last time we've spoken? The Flyers have gone to a kind of tie, but really second place. I love the fact they're in a virtual tie with Washington. No, we're in second. Um... But it's been another week. Uh, The win streak keeps going. Also, that's a load of bullshit. How is head-to-head record not the first tiebreaker? Because. I'll fight somebody. Yeah, you're talking about arguing with old hockey men. They'll fight you back. (laughs) That's their preferred way to settle things. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Good point. It's like. I got a barn. Let's go. Barn fight right now. You and I. Um, which is actually No punching in the
0: face. No punching in the <laughs> face.
1: <laughs> which is another reference to Dave and I's historical fighting. That's um, my one
0: fighting rule. I will fight you so long as we both agree that there's no punching
1: in the face. Which and I agree to it. But sort of not a great fight. And then I immediately punch you in the face. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so... No. Okay. So how the tiebreaker rule works is people were sick of the quote-unquote loser point and it mattering too much. So they put in a tiebreaker to um, devalue winning in a shootout, and that's the ROW, Regulation Overtime Wins. And that is the first tiebreaker so that your regulation win matters more than a shootout win. And I think eventually it's going to matter more than an overtime win. I can't, I can't quite recall what the rule is on that. But the reason is the Flyers have a overtime win more than the Capitals do. So we are tied, but not really because they hold the tiebreaker, which does leave to like, you know, let's say I don't know if the Caps play tomorrow, but let's say they do and the Flyers play tomorrow, which they don't. But let's say the next time they both play, the Flyers win in regulation and the Capitals win in overtime. They both get two points, but now the Flyers flip flop because that head to head record does come into play.
0: Right. So right now there's two tiers of winning, but there really could be three.
1: There should be three.
0: There should (laughs) be a regulation win is the best win.
1: Yes. Well, I don't know. That's the five point system, which is crazy even for me, but I, I want the three point system, three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime or shootout win one point for a overtime or shootout loss, zero points for regulation loss, all games are now worth three points. Okay, that is not my idea. It's a popular idea. The NHL doesn't want to do it because they love the fake parody of some games being worth more game more points than others, which does make for exciting playoff pushes, but isn't yeah. necessarily fair.
0: Now, Chuck, you were at the Carolina game.
1: I was. Was the I was. atmosphere euphoric? Um, The atmosphere was pretty good. The atmosphere, sorry, let me walk that back. The atmosphere was the best atmosphere I've encountered all season. And the games have varied from um, a little quiet, a little dull, to pretty decent. Uh, Went to the Penguins game. That was a good game. But here it was more raucous. It felt more like the Flyers in their heyday. Uh, Very little wooing, which is a, a personal victory for me. But it was a good crowd. It was a great effort, too, for a potential trap game, which I didn't think was going to be as much a trap game based off how well Carolina has been playing in the competition between Carolina and Philadelphia this year. But for a potential trap game, the Flyers really brought it to Carolina. And the the arena recognized it and really reacted to it. And there were a couple gorgeous goals to get the game rolling. So it was the best atmosphere I've encountered personally this year.
0: Yeah. And I noticed that the tick, the, the secondary market for flyers tickets has uh, greatly, uh, the demand has greatly increased because I see the prices for these tickets just keep going up and up and up.
2: Here's my question. It seems like every game since the, Capitals game now is, is being called a trap game. Huh. Chuck, is is there is there any non-trap games between now and the Tuesday. end of the season?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I mean I get the the concept of a trap game, but I and and I kind of feel like Carolina would have fallen into that definition. I, I don't think the game yesterday was a trap game, other than the sense that it's a bad team and you are a good team on a roll. I I don't understand what made Buffalo. A, a particular trap game you had you had a couple of days off you certainly should you're at home it doesn't feel like it, it was a trap game to me Carolina did you're coming off a big win sure but the Buffalo explain to me, is that just like media hype or is there actually a a potential trap there that other than it's a bad team then you're a good team
1: I think there was definitely a potential trap there I was pointing to that game more than the Carolina game you know, look at the the four preceding games to Buffalo. So since we last spoke, three games were played. God, that Washington game feels like forever <laughs> ago, man. Yeah. But a huge win against Washington. And then back-to-back, coming home to play Carolina, who has been a really good opponent for the Flyers. So... I was less convinced that Carolina game was going to be a trap, even though it was the next day there that felt like they were going to feed off the momentum from the other night. Carter Hart gets back in, you know, the tremendous home record that we have. Now you got a day off. Things have cooled down. You know, you're facing a bad Buffalo team that has given up um, with the best of the Atlantic Division following. You know, next game's against the Bruins. The game after that's against Tampa Bay. If there was a game to exhale and go, we don't have to give it our all. We can phone it in. It was that game. And they did, and they won. Like, there was... The Flyers started the game against Buffalo strong. I was really pleased with how hard they came out against Buffalo. And then they dragged, man. They gave up a ton of shots in that first period uh, through First period, halfway through the second, um, after an initial flurry of, like, five to seven minutes, they really look like they're sleepwalking. And Giroux, man, say whatever you want about that dude. Actually, don't. (laughs) Say only good things or else I will fight you. But, (laughs) But for those who criticize him of going, well, the team has gotten better. He's not as important. Look at Saturday's game. That's probably not a win for, if not for Giroux and Carter Hart. Carter Hart bailed the team out. And when the Flyers could have easily given up and just said, eh, it's not our day, they went out there. Giroux put up the first two goals, and they they went on to win it. Also, it does not hurt. The Flyers are much better than Buffalo. So I
0: uh, I think Vino was kind of with you with the comments that he released prior to that Buffalo game. Yeah. You know, the message that was sent to the team about, you know, there's no easy wins in this league. Uh, his comments about how he watched Buffalo play the night before and they should have earned a victory in that game. Uh, you know, who knows if it if that worked or not, uh, but it at least shows that everyone's head is in the right place as far as the coaching staff, you know, and, and taking all of these games seriously. Because, you know, as well as they've been playing, you know, you could turn and look at a team like Pittsburgh, who you know has just been—you're really only like five games out of, like five points away from being a wild card team again. Yeah, and th- and that gap can be closed pretty quickly, as we've seen the Flyers do to the Capitals.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the the Flyers have been the second hottest team in the league since the new year, um, maybe even before that. But the this stellar win streak we've been on has really closed the gap. Also, the opponents we've been playing helps. You know, we we've taken it to Washington the last three times we've played them. We've taken to a lot of teams, man. We we are putting up four or five goals a game on the regular, but it's this nine-game win streak that has taken us out of the wild card conversation and into It's becoming a two-horse race between the Flyers and the Capitals.
2: Well, and we've been able to take points in key games, take uh, the majority of points in key spots, like we took the home-and-homes from three division opponents, right? It was three? It was... Columbus, the Rangers. Who was the third one? Who am I missing? Florida. Yeah,
1: Columbus, Rangers, Florida is not a division opponent, but, right, but at the time we started against Florida, they were in the wild card picture, and they it... were the only team from outside the division in the wild card picture, and they're and... not really anymore.
2: Right. And the start of this whole run was against Columbus as well, so that's like nine. Uh, what is that like a nine point swing against Columbus or? Uh, an eight-point swing. And it, basically, th- those three games are what's going to bury Columbus. Um, and that was a team, I think, at the beginning of the year, people thought were going to be third in the division. we in in a wild-card spot
0: right now, aren't we? Right,
2: they? And, 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 and falling fast. The Hurricanes, they have got goaltender problems. And it, it was mm-hmm. very relieving to me because the Flyers of the past are the type of team that gets beat by the guy from Skate Zone that ends up being the third goalie for uh, Carolina. <laughs> Uh, but they were able to handle their business. Uh, Buffalo, as scrappy as they were last night watching the game, there was no point where I felt like the Flyers are, yes, they are being, uh, the, the game is not going, the momentum is not in their favor, I guess maybe was the point, but at no point did I not think that the Flyers couldn't handle this team. And in the end, Their conditioning, and this is, I think, a point I brought up earlier in the week. Their conditioning just seems like they are in such better shape than most of the other teams they're playing with. They look like a different team in the third period. And I don't know if that's attributed just to their literal physical conditioning or the fact that Vigneault is comfortable running four lines constantly and is not dropping down to like a, a three-line rotation or even like a, a two-line rotation or making uh, some of the top lines run double shifts or, or, or something like that, where you, there are probably other teams that are kind of falling into desperation mode and they get behind in games and they're running that top line twice as uh, out there twice as many times as they normally do or or trying to, to live off of two defensive pairs.
1: That, that's a great point, Gene. That speaks again to the Flyers' depth that... They're rolling all four lines. And lately, you know, that third line is, you know, the, well, the bottom six just in general has really been, been producing dividends. And yes, it's conditioning. Yes, it's style of play, not just to it, it, it's like football and having a good running game, you know, where the offensive line is really taking it to the defensive line. You know, part of my brain doesn't get that. They go, well, they're both slamming into one another no matter what. But apparently when the offensive line slams harder and, and initiates the collision, they wear down the defense. And the Flyers are doing the same with a really strong forecheck of dump and chase, bang a lot of bodies to retrieve the puck. And by the third period, the other team is literally worn down. The Flyers are getting to the pucks faster. They have less of a fight to retrieve them. Um, conditioning with the Flyers helps. Being able to roll four lines, three defensive pairs. Although, when playoff time comes, I think we're going to be leaning on the top two defensive pairs a lot more than the third. Um, and great goaltending, too. You know, Good to great. Good to great. I think right now the tandem we have is a tandem built for playoff success. Um but there's been times when the goaltending has struggled this year, but it's not been so bad that it's tanked the season or anything like that. But the the Flyers are are playing well. They are they're playing a winning style of game and a fun style of game too. You know, it's not like we're playing this defensive shell where it's like, ah, we got a two goal lead. We're not ever coughing that up. Up until, you know, midway through the third, we're attacking.
2: A lot of the things I'm reading, if you look outside of the region, uh, you get a lot of the the Flyers are just deeper than other teams. uh, And having come through this division, a lot of people say that this is the class division of the NHL. Very opposite to the Eagles, where a lot of people were saying the NFC East was the the dregs <laughs> of the NFL, that the the Metropolitan is the is the class division of the NHL. It was interesting to me to to find out that since, um, since it's become the Metropolitan Division, the Flyers have never won the division. Um, so I guess since, oh, yeah, I don't think they've ever officially won. Uh, they've only I think been in first place in the division for one stretch of time. It, it's it, granted the Metropolitan Division is not it's not been an old concept but um i thought that was interesting because you know we think of the flyers being a much more competitive team than to have not have a lot of division titles but it, it makes it makes sense to a certain degree but i guess the, the point being that some of these pundits for lack of a better term uh, they keep comparing the flyers favorably to the blues of last year who were uh, Famously, in I, out of a playoff position, I think in early January, and and then went on on, on a cup run. They the, the Flyers are in a similar position. I think they were though in a in a cup position. The Flyers were uh, in a, in a playoff position in that at that uh, Thanksgiving break, which is usually that line of demarcation. I think we talked about it uh, at the time. So it's interesting to me that one of the things that they are attributing tri- uh, is is a depth of the lineup. And I guess my point is, do we give that credit? To Ron Hextall, is there some credit to be given to the way that he built this team Uh, kind of in the way is, you know, do the Phillies have to give some credit to the administration before Pat uh, Gillick for for that success?
0: Wait, did you not? Did you remember Ed Wade's name?
2: Ed Wade. I, I, hero, the unsung hero of the 2008 Phillies. Sometimes I don't like to speak ill of the Wade. Is he not on the wall of fame yet? Well, there's certainly time.
1: Well, <laughs> true, but he should be on the wall of fame. He deserves it.
2: Yeah, I mean, right yeah. after uh, Bobby Abreu, I, you know.
1: <laughs> and Ruben, Ruben Amaro Jr. He'll <laughs> well. get two spots before Ed Wade gets one. <laughs> but So I, I he, guess, you know,
2: we, we, we somehow Ron Hextall ended up getting himself fired. If you want to f- say that it was that he could change the culture, if you want to say that it, he 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 was too loyal to Dave Haxtell, I, I I you know, there was a lot of things that were not getting the Flyers out of whatever He, he got I, I honestly think he got fired for the same reason that Sam Hinkie got fired. It's like
0: fucking pull the trigger on these guys. Like yep. let them play. Like how how long can you stockpile assets before you actually turn them into something tangible it's like if, if you store all your money under your mattress and then you die like what good is it
1: yeah and dramatic too um but that's a very good point and, and i i certainly see you know what you're talking about and i agree and you know hextal had stocked the cupboard you know, we had our choice of all these different ingredients and he would only use, you know, the oldest cuts of meat the and salt Moore. and pepper. The <laughs> Dinty more, yes. The dented more. Um But was that but... his
2: call to, or was that the head coach's call? Is is, is it the,
1: the general manager? No, it's manager his that's, call, man.
2: The general manager is, is saying to the head, head coach, these are the guys that you need to put in your in your lines.
1: More or less, yeah, if the general manager calls somebody up and you're putting them in the press box every night, the general manager can go play this guy or look for a new job. But it, the one thing, yeah, Hextall has brought in a lot of great assets. Chuck Fletcher has been willing to use them. And he said it right from the beginning of the seasons, like our lineup is not going to be set in the first 16, more first eight weeks, I believe he said. And there's been a lot of movement up and down. Look at Farabee. You know, when we have the leeway to move him up and down, he's been up. His play slacks a little because, you know, it's his first time in the NHL. He went right from college here playing more than double the games he played at BU. You send him down to the Phantoms, go, hey, get your reps in, come back up. We had, you know, David Kasha. Down and up. Bunneman up. You know, we had a lot of guys auditioning for time. Uh, Albeit Kubel, who has always been the talk of like, hey, this is a great Flyers prospect. Not great. Back before we had great prospects, he was a great prospect. Now he's a good prospect. But he has been flourishing with the team this year. And I think Hextall's, you know, termination came down to last season. Because as much as I see this talk of, oh, the times were so bad, they were so bad, they were so bad. But to go use that hinky analogy, we weren't trying to win. We were trusting the process. You know, up until last year, we weren't trying to win now. We were trying to put out a respectable team. We were trying to grow a little bit, but most of the prospects were still cooking. Famous phrase from early in Potadelphia history is Ron Hextall likes his players well done, you know, and Chuck Fletcher doesn't necessarily feel the same way. He's willing to go for, you know, a medium, medium rare, especially
0: you got to take the steak off the grill early because why? It continues cooking after you take it off the grill. It's fine. You can let the players finish their development at the next level.
1: Yeah. And especially when you have the option to throw it back on the grill. You know? <laughs> yes. Like, like, oh, this is fucking raw. Yeah. Put it back on the grill. <laughs> yeah. It's not a freaking chop. Nobody's going to go like, oh, you got to serve it. <laughs> like, no, you got the time. Use it. And. Fletcher has been really good utilizing those things. Look, and he sometimes in... you
0: get a Morgan Frost and you cut them open and blood is running everywhere and you go, oh, this needs to cook longer. Put it back on the grill.
1: Yeah, Morgan Frost, we started at the ends and the ends were done to perfection, you know, <laughs> a nice crispiness and then you got to the middle and it's like, this is a bit chewy and it's like, oh, fuck, this thing's still mooing. All right. You know, and you get
0: the opportunity to throw a little truffle butter on it, you know, while it's, while it's on there
1: anyway. So yeah, with well, truffle butter is hacky and stupid and See, truffle <laughs> oil is like just a go-to. I have no good ideas. You know, like clarified butter, um, any sort of those butter infused with different flavors, I'm all there for. But eh, no truffle butter for me. Okay.
0: I, I think Gene, maybe... any I, You and I, you and I will, will go to fisticuffs over this one, I oh, guess. Not we face. will.
1: <laughs> Straight shot, right to your nose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess the bigger problem, uh, maybe, as far as letting things cook too long is – we had a goaltender crisis last year. I, I honestly do think that there was potential that that was a a playoff team last year. It should have been. We we famously had how many people in net? The he- the to me one of the major differences this year is there has been, I mean, an uncharacteristic amount of stability between the pipes. Is you know have we found the next Brodeur? No, but he's also what. Is he is is Carter Hart even allowed to drink after a game? I don't even know if he's that old. He is, but
0: he's probably he Do not just twenty-two. Take brodeur level goaltending off of the table.
2: And but I think that we're, we you know that's that's the idea is I think that maybe they were they were expecting that they if they left him in the AHL they would be able to run out a a, a Hall of Fame level goaltender. But while we were waiting for that to percolate, we were rolling out uh skate zone level of goaltending uh skate zone level of goaltending that kept getting hurt um yeah. so i i think that one of the important thing was you have to say the other thing is we can take advantage of is we have carter hart on a not uh veteran frontline goaltender salary right now and you can use that money other places it's the same thing like if in football with with the uh with the starting quarterback if you can have your frontline quarterback your starting quarterback cheap that's where you can strike with your other players uh, and make a run uh look at 2011 for the eagles yeah not and, 2011 jesus that was uh that was a I mean bad team 2000 uh no i was 18. thinking the, the eagles 2017 uh, the the team that won the super bowl
1: um 1718 17, yes.
2: this this confusing break uh splitting over time is is, is just fried my brain so <laughs> uh, my my point being i am glad that the change in administration happened it's unfortunate i had a particular sentimental attachment to ron, he- ron hextall the player um so i wanted i always wanted him to succeed no matter what i'm glad that I don't make these decisions. And I'm glad that other fans like me don't make these decisions and that somebody made the right decision. At least it seems like for this year.
1: I I think it was the right decision. Let's throw out the, the secondhand gossipy, you know, takes on it, but he went into the season undervaluing the goaltender position. And uh, I I don't know if I said it this explicitly on the show. I was fine with goaltender by committee thinking that they were a lot healthier than they were. You know, Elliot was not ready to start the year. Neuvert is chronically injured, but I was okay with him being chronically injured if we had Lyon and Stolarz as the first call-ups to be the backup to Elliot. Well, Elliot wasn't ready to go. He wasn't ready until the end of the year. He wasn't ready to like the stadium series game and Neuvert never got healthy. Uh, Stolar's never, never got healthy and Lions started the season unhealthy. So we had four, you know, not elite level goalies. We had, you know, two AHL goalies, one borderline NHL goalie due to injury and one, a consistent one B goalie in a, a tandem goalie, you know, and we were going, Hey, you're and going to be our
0: Starfleet captain
1: and one former Starfleet captain. And yeah. Chuck
0: says, if you cannot name all eight goaltenders from last season, you're not allowed to root
1: for the flyers this year. Is that Yeah. True, we're, Chuck? we're doing our bandwagon tests. <laughs> Cause if you didn't suffer, you know, and that's, that's the thing that brought my point earlier where it's like, we suffered through, you know, uh, Le Cavalier and you know, various other people's and Van de Velde and this, that, and people are coming over here. Oh, god, like <laughs> hockey purist over bandwagon fans. Why the rest of the time they go, Please like my sport? It's sickening. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you don't ever talk about us, you never talk about us. Uh, why are you talking about us you now?
1: You're talking about us now because we're good. <laughs> like, you didn't want to talk about us when we sucked, and I'm the one who was loudest about how much we sucked. All right, but so yeah. should we talk about this now? Yeah, let's talk. Should
0: we talk about the the, the sports talk crisis that's going on in Philadelphia
2: right now?
1: Oh, God. Dude,
2: <laughs> so Tuesday after, or Wednesday afternoon, the day of the Capitals game, I, I only get to listen to just a sparse amount of – sports actual radio mostly by my own choice because i i immediately get angry as soon as i start listening to it because of shit like this i was listening literally in in three minutes that it took me to move my car from one parking lot over to a different parking lot that was closer to the entrance of my building that was all of the time that i was in the car for and they had been going on this is the 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 midday show on on the fanatic they were going on about why they don't talk about hockey they were giving evidence as to why giving uh talking about hockey is is bad for radio uh and even though when people call and want to talk about hockey they don't put them on the air because the other people listening would t- would turn off the radio so let me ask you do you think it is better radio to talk about the things that are bad radio to talk about <laughs>
1: I'm going to need a pen and paper for that question. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's I mean, there's always, a, Go ahead, Chuck. Sorry. Uh, no, no, you go, Dave. You go. I
0: was going to say there's a difference between bad radio. Like the topic doesn't make it bad radio. It's your knowledge and handling of the subject matter that would make it bad radio or good radio. I think you can you can make hockey good radio. It doesn't have to be too difficult but you could take it to a a group you know a fan base that may not be you know as as educated or as exposed to hockey before and like explain why it's cool or explain what's going on with the Flyers and make it an interesting topic or you could be like yeah well we don't talk about hockey because people don't like it so next question should we fire Brett Brown or you you know I mean like <laughs> it's just lazy More than anything else.
1: Yeah, it's lazy and it's a very chicken or the egg kind of question. We don't talk about hockey because people don't want to talk about hockey. Well, what would happen if you did talk about hockey? And it's not like the Phillies, you know, the Flyers fan base is insignificant. They're one of the most popular teams in the league consistently, even when they've been bad. You know, I know it's a gap for casual fans. You know, you have... You have the Eagles first and foremost. I'd say basketball in general second. Then somewhere it's Phillies, Sixers, and Flyers. Well, Phillies have the
0: have the luxury of of loneliness. Yeah. I mean, like all summer, that's all you have is the Phillies. So they're going to get a, a large portion of conversation around them anyway, no
2: matter what. Yeah. But here's, here's yeah. my – and maybe this is a hot take, but – one thing that I know about Philadelphia fans is if you can convince me that there is a chance to win maybe the championship of whatever it is or the big horse race or or whatever if you can give me a Philadelphia connection to Smarty Jones guess what I'm going to want to watch cuz now I'm invested. So if you as a sports talk personality can, can it's really easy when you have a team that is on a win streak to be like, "Hey, this is a big game, this is important. Also, it's the chance to beat up on Washington. Remember, you hate Washington for various other reasons." Like like to me it seems like it is served up on a silver platter to get even the most casual of fans because one thing that Philadelphia likes to do is talk about how much better they are, in some cases, at something than somebody else. And to get really lathered up about hating or or beating up on Washington, New York, or Dallas, and if you can do that in any sport or game possible— I feel like you're going to get callers that are going to want to. But part of along.
0: part of the reason that we're in this mess is because of the flyers themselves and the decisions that they've made and the, and actually the performance of the team. I mean, when you look at a team that has literally defined mediocrity over the last decade or so, yeah, nobody, nobody wants to talk about it really. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't spark any energy or anything like that, but yo, people are watching now. So you're gonna to have to acknowledge it. Now they said that the the ratings for the Carolina game were the
1: highest it's been for a Flyers game in like seven years or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. And that's and that's in, insane to think of. That takes a bit of knowledge, you know. Something I was gonna bring up was you want to talk about the Flyers fan base and there's the diehards, but not a lot of casual fans. There is a shit ton of playoff hockey fans in the area, most specifically, you know, playoff Flyers fans. But there are other people who are like, I don't watch hockey all year round. And, you know, it's really fun playoff hockey. You know, it's like the people who don't like NBA basketball, but watch March Madness, not just for, you know, not just for the gambling, not just for their brackets, but for the level of, College basketball competition and how is a kind of a different sure. game. So you get a lot of playoff hockey fans. And I think
0: Well, most know. years that's me. That, that that's is a lot me. of people.
1: And and if the
0: Flyers have now moved from a team that I check in on when they play to appointment television now. It's the Flyers yeah. are on at seven. We're watching the Flyers, and you know, we'll maybe do something during the 20 minute intermissions, but it's flyers are the focus right now.
1: Yeah, and I think when you when you say keep an eye on the flyers, check in on the flyers, just knowing you how long I have, that that means something more than just are they good? Should I watch? You're you're checking out with your own two eyes, you know, what's going on, what are the big games. But the point I was making about Carolina is that let's say somebody hasn't been doing that, but has been asking their knowledgeable friends or, you know, listening to sports talk radio or watching sports rise or whatever the case may be to go. Are the flyers worth paying attention to Carolina is not a team that jumps out. A lot of people might not know they're in our division. A lot of people might think, Oh, it's a Southern hockey team. They're no good. But the fact that the Carolina game drew eyes I means been people have been paying at least enough attention to know that this game matters. It's a division opponent. It's somebody that we're competing for a playoff spot with, although thankfully that that gap is widening. So that that means something. That was significant to me because it wasn't like Washington was the highly rated local game. It was Carolina. And
2: Washington was cover covered on Nash the National um broadcast wasn't it though it was, was. it was it just it, the, the highest carolina was the highest local yeah, broadcast on,
0: yeah yeah on uh on comcast sportsnet or whatever NBCN yeah. CSN,
2: yeah. csn nbc or
1: whatever it is SN philly okay thanks Chuck. not nbcsn philly plus but the game actually ran nationally on nbcsn but locally on nbcsn philly So, of course, the fucking national broadcast showed that weird car show that is like (laughs) (laughs) hollers back to the outdoor network when they started that way. And so I record every Flyers game. I record it. I don't rewatch every Flyers game, but I like the ability to pull certain things up to watch on my phone. Uh, Recording, it gives me a lot of options. So I was at the Carolina game. I come home you know, jazzed after a win and just throw the game on the background, on the fucking (laughs) car show. I'm like, damn you. (laughs) And that's on me. That's on me. I've done that enough times I normally should check, but I didn't. But no, there is a buzz in the air. And I think so far, people have been welcoming of, I I hate to even say bandwagon fans. I want to say returning fans. I want to say new fans because there's a, it's been, you know, the Lindros error is 20 years ago now, and or not quite, but almost. Gosh, and gosh. the the Flyers run to the Stanley Cup was 10 years ago, and they fell off a cliff about three years later and started rebuilding a year or two after that. So it there hasn't been much of a reason to watch unless you really love hockey and are a glutton for punishment. So Which, thankfully I'm both.
2: So Chuck, how do you respond to some of these people that are like, "Well, people don't watch hockey because it's hard to follow on TV." Um do you still not buy since that HD TV? D-
1: not I- since HD TV, I the puck is easy to see now. Because that's a, a that's
2: a classic response to people that are not uh to, in my opinion that that don't have any desire that they they want to like d- dismiss the game of hockey and And I feel like there has been throughout the history of hockey, and maybe this is another thing that we can kind of banter about. um you know, is there a game that you can think of that they have done more gimmicky stuff, maybe the NFL, but is there a game that has had more gimmicky stuff than to try and engage fans than than the than hockey from the the glowing puck to uh you know all the different machinations of how they do the all star game to i
0: I like the streaky line like if the puck goes over 50 miles an hour it
1: gets like a red streak behind it like a comet (laughs) all shots had the comet it was if they went a certain amount you know a certain speed it turned red it never would turn gold if it went over 100 miles an hour that was just a rumor
2: wait every shot had the 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 tail they they all had the tail it was either a blue tail or a red tail
1: you know what they should have added they should have added
0: uh, like an impact like if the if it hits the goalie like a little explosion or something happens <laughs> <laughs> or like a sound effect like
2: <laughs> I mean the that technology i think is what eventually brought the the re- uh color programming of of NFL football, which is why it's so jarring to go to an NFL game and and look down from uh you know the the nosebleeds and and be like where where's the first down I don't I don't even know where to look. That technology
1: did lead to the yellow line. Puck tracking is coming back for the playoffs. God, I wish they wouldn't try to roll it out for the playoffs. Wait 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 hold on wait what is this What does this mean? So it does. I don't know if you watched the last two All-Star games. It was more prominent, I believe, this year than last. But the puck has a subtle glow, and they can track you know, what player it's going to, how fast the pass is, how fast the shot is. So it's a sort of smart puck, for lack of a better phrase. That's and that is- cool,
0: but there's no special effects on the screen.
1: Is, There's a little special effect. Well, a soft glow. A soft glow. <laughs> like somebody who's really well-rested. Just like it's you, Gene, like a soft glow. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Does that, would that sort of thing give us a goal if uh, it goes underneath of a goaltender's butt? And even though he is in the net and the puck is under his butt, <laughs> is there any way that we could actually have that be a goal instead of Schrodinger's puck?
1: <laughs> That's good, <laughs> Gene. That is good. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Uh, Can you go back in time and put that on our Twitter feed? That was a really good joke. Um, I don't think so. We don't have Puck crossing the line technology in place for this playoff. Um, I would think it's coming, um, but but not just yet. Not just yet. I I don't even know how much we're really going to see it in the playoffs, but it is coming around. And... And we'll, we'll see how that looks. But the excuse of can't follow the puck, I really think, when you have like a 55-inch TV that costs you $400 and then is in HD or 4K or whatever, the puck's a lot easier to follow than back in the day where you're watching on a 17-inch screen in less than 480.
2: <laughs> now, I, I will tell you, one of the very first things I watched when I got my first HD television in, in, in my house was a, a flyers game and I, it was almost jarring or you know i, I it was so the, the the i don't even know how to describe like
0: you were there gene well
2: it was almost like it made me nauseous like <laughs> like i was like man i, I can't look directly at it you It's you so have bright. kind of a weak
0: stomach though uh,
2: well that's true like <laughs> there's <laughs> no doubt about defense it. yeah
0: so what I liked when they did the see-through, like uh you could see the puck when it was behind the boards. <laughs> that the again goes the glow puck. I like it. I want to, I want to be able to see where sometimes you can't tell what it's, it's, you know, there's a,
2: th- there's
0: a little battle going on back there. I want to, I want to at least know, where the puck is. So when it comes out from behind the boards, I know where I'm looking at. I and, wish there was
2: more use of along with that technology, but I also wish that, especially on power plays, there was more use of that camera. That's from behind the goaltender. I really like watching like the power play set up the, from that angle, rather than from the traditional TV angle.
1: That has gotten so much better over the years. Yeah, the first that time cool, they though. introduced it, like, it was, you, you didn't get enough uh, depth. It wasn't like, um, wide, like a wide angle enough
0: yeah. lens or something. So you can't see like both defenders at the,
1: you know, at the points at the same time. Yeah, it was, it was like kind a of security like cam angle, angle <laughs> you know. Um, that has gotten a lot better. They did the, I think, was it the ISO cam or I forget what the technology was where they had the camera moving over the glass giving these really long views. and if you hadn't big enough TV it was gorgeous. but anything like under 30 inches was it was not good. Um, and but this is a long way coming from I remember you know starting college and it was a joke of mine always you can tell hockey fans because they have clean TVs. You know, Back <laughs> on the old tube TVs, they'd gather a bit of dust on the screen and hockey fans would have to have them clean or else you're following a piece of dark dust. No, wait, hold on. The puck. I got it. Wait, hold on. What? Why is the ice white? That, my friend, is a good question.
0: Can't we make the ice clear and put a camera under the goaltender?
1: That is not where I thought you were going with this.
2: Then we could always tell if the puck went over the line or not. Well, you'd have to have one heck of a weird fisheye lens to get that whole line, though. Like you'd be really good at like like four inches right over the camera. You know, like if the camera gets covered, then oh yeah, puck went over. Uh,
0: I, all right, I don't well, know. is I know we're
2: like heat. workshopping this right now.
1: But live. I, I, mean, you and could no bad ideas in workshop.
2: Couldn't you put the 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 camera in the post so it that already you... is there? Oh. Well, then why I doesn't see, it no, look—
1: sorry, that's not— it's Why not doesn't there. it shoot
2: down the line at the other post so that you would see it? I guess you would still have the same problem with, like, goaltenders, goaltender asses, like, protecting pucks as they go over the line. And I don't understand why—this was the real question as far as color is concerned. All goaltenders should wear all black. That should just be—like, if, if I was a team, if I was the Flyers, I would make them wear black shorts okay, every so time. Well, the puck yeah because then you would have that uh, bonus but... camouflage I was you...
0: gonna say we should mandate that they not be allowed to wear black but, I was well... thinking, but you're looking at it from the team perspective I want my goaltender to wear
2: black. yeah I'm looking at it from like in the end I would like the Flyers to give up less goals and like a fat guy on stage yes, crew exactly <laughs> <laughs> I broke the chuck <laughs> Gene help <laughs> so i'm glad that we figured out and solved all of the uh the problems for uh the down and and, and chuck honestly though do more we me talking at the beginning of the season that f- f- nhl ratings aren't down like they're actually fairly healthy across the league
1: oh they're they're um and, and i don't have the numbers but the the nhl has been slowly but surely growing holding on to their numbers um been very lucky with a lot of great matchups for the Stanley Cup final. Um, some traditionally popular teams are doing well. If the Flyers can make it to the conference final, which I think they realistically can, not just oh, if the the dominoes fall correctly, I see them getting out of out of the division. You know, I mean, they could lose anything could happen, but Right now, with the way they're playing, they look like they can beat the the Capitals, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, the so Islanders. FanDuel, Islanders probably, ha- yeah.
0: FanDuel has the Flyers as the uh, seventh most likely team to win the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. um, and almost assuredly in the conference finals.
1: Wow. Um money puck which is not a gambling site but a odd statistical site has it the flyers is the most likely to win the stanley cup
0: oh that's interesting okay it, it wow. is but it's they use their They're own obviously metrics. not putting their money where their mouth is with that
1: uh, yes yeah i much <laughs> rather trust a, a bookie but <laughs> so to win the eastern conference there's only two
0: teams ahead of the flyers right now and it's
1: tampa and boston right which as they should be
0: yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And um actually they have Pittsburgh ahead of well tied with the Capitals now at plus six fifty and the Flyers are plus six hundred. Oh well they now, which is weird because to win the Stanley Cup, the Flyers have the exact same odds as the Penguins at plus thirteen hundred. So if you do think the Flyers are gonna win the cup, put a hundred bucks
1: on it. Yeah, I mean it's it's really tough. The the playoffs are the second season and I think I've said in the show many times, by the time you get to the third round, you're a different team than the team that started the playoffs. But if there's if this Flyers team gives you a lot of reasons to hope, and it's not a pipe dream. They no one in the division, and I was as as I was talking about out loud, I think the Islanders are unfortunately the team we match up worst against. Um but no team in the division scares me. Uh, The Bruins and Tampa do, but it's not like we can't beat them. The Bruins we have beat. uh, Those games were fun. The the Bolts, I don't think we have beat this season and the games haven't been particularly fun. But I think we can skate with them. I think I think we can play with them. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. All right. Let's move on.
0: Uh, Let's talk about the coronavirus, because the last time the Flyers lost, uh, it was just after Valentine's Day. And you didn't even know what the coronavirus was. Or maybe you did, but it wasn't that big of a deal.
1: No, no. I mean, it probably was a big deal
0: in other countries, but it wasn't a big deal for us yet. Now it's a big deal for us. Um, And it's a big deal for sports, too, because there's concerns around large gatherings of people in the same place. Because you just can't stop picking your nose.
2: And then wiping it on other people. (laughs) Right.
0: So the NBA has proposed uh, playing games to empty arenas. Thoughts?
2: Well, I I can think of some teams that are doing that already. So it won't be that (laughs) much of a stretch. Ooh, wing Uh, shot. But uh, no, I I don't. My my opinion is, and especially for a sport like the NBA, um, which is not necessarily predicated on nec- on needing certain weather conditions, or you know what I mean. If you're really that concerned, maybe put in a a break, a delay. I I I really don't think that playing the games to no fans is good for your brand. To you know, it's one thing that the Major League Baseball did that as a punishment to Baltimore, which I still think was kind of a bizarre way to punish anyone. Like,
0: Right. That was the one time I can remember a game being played with no with no fans.
2: Like, yeah. yes, there was rioting or whatever and security concerns, but to play the game to no fans, that, who are you punishing? You're punishing the people that consume your product? I, I'm not sure that that was the way to go, but that, that to me made more sense. But to to say that you're not going to have uh, the, a public gathering you know There, this is happening in other places there are soccer matches that are not, aren't happening but but these other places are not playing the games they are being postponed so that when th- they feel more comfortable with the protocols or whatever or we've come up with a better solution as how to handle this then those games will will be played for the fans which is the whole reason why these things exist you know is the idea that if we're all quarantined, we'll still be able to watch LeBron James? I, I, I'm not sure. I understand where what the NBA is going to benefit from. Is it important for them because of like leases uh, or uh, events scheduled in arenas that they they have the playoffs end by a certain date? You know,
0: th- th- this is. Well, I don't think anyone is telling the NBA to not like i don't think anyone's saying like you can't play games so either cancel them or you're playing them to empty
2: arenas it's like it's like an nba over like an overreaction yeah. so instead of going you know well in the interest of public safety or approaching you know. it carefully like let's you know when when the situation calls for calm let's immediately slam on the panic button
1: i don't know gene it's it becomes a question of like Dave said public safety. And, you know, if one person has the coronavirus with how contagious it is, they might infect, you know, five people around them. Are those five people around them contagious by the end of the game? like I don't know. But well,
0: all right, I may I may stand corrected here because the NBA what they did was they sent a memo to all the teams to prepare for the possibility of playing games without fans. Um so who knows, maybe it maybe it is some sort of like, you know, if there's a government mandated hiatus on all types of, you know, large gatherings, they they, they may need to play them without.
2: Well, fans. And I no, I mean, but I understand that, but if we're really at that point in this country where we need to not have people gather to watch a sporting event, aren't we in kind of a, you know, isn't the sporting event itself probably less important then? Wouldn't it be better to then delay until it's, you know, I guess that's more my point. My question is I'm not in favor of let's throw caution to the wind and have a bunch of people hang out in a stadium for no other reason than to infect each other. But... Um, <laughs> That would make for interesting. That's, television. That's an odd take, Gene. <laughs> yeah, that would make for interesting television. I'm gonna go infect everybody. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think right, people even kiss know. Kiss cam
1: is now mandatory, and it takes up every break.
2: You know what? I didn't even think of kiss cam. You're right. Like, I guess that's oh. kind of got to go on hiatus. You really can't. You really can't have the kiss cam right now. That's that's have something that would guys be Have either of been poor... to church this week or last week? I was. Yeah.
0: They did. Uh, they stop doing the uh, the sign. The uh, what is it? The sign of peace or the <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the, I... the, the peace be with you. Like you know, you shake hands with everybody. Well, I mean, they stopped doing that. Right.
2: I, I mean. Uh, there's a very very few people that are at, at what is that called me. what's the official name it's of called the kiss it is of, the peace, sign of peace or sign, okay, the of, sign peace. of
0: peace which i only like to do with my own family by the way which which, defeats the whole which honestly
2: it seems like as far as like intimate contact that's kind of where we've gone there's a lot of like the the nodding and waving is what i saw but okay. they also uh restricted the way that the sacrament was distributed They they did not do the wine and you had to extend your hands and palms in order to get the host you weren't allowed to do the tongue thing
0: was it a glove warden uh person distributing the
2: no it's just a priest the body of christ no it's just a priest
0: okay i'm sure he washed his hands it's fine and watch it with the holy water I and mean, you know yeah. it, it, exactly you know it's funny the uh the youth basketball games they're having the kids uh, after the game, you know, like good game, good game, good game, doing uh, doing
2: elbows, elbows. Because every- nobody can lick their elbow. That's brilliant.
0: Well, every one of those cretins had their hand on the basketball at some point yes. during that game, but yeah. don't shake hands now. Right.
1: I,
2: I thought you were going to say. Are they, we then- supposed
1: to sneeze into our elbow?
0: Yes. No, well, on the inside, in the, the the Dracula, right? Yeah. The Dracula sneeze. But
2: th- th- I thought you were going to say they did the, the 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 high five and then immediately turned to whatever mom was designated as Purell mom. Purell. So then, you know, <laughs> you, you, you smack high five and then immediately get high doses of whatever it is that makes Purell work.
1: Alcohol. Finger guns. That's what I'm just suggesting for like, hey, good game. Yeah. <laughs> Peace be with you.
2: So how yeah. are so Dave? How are the players reacting to this? Have have you seen any reaction to the idea of playing in front of no fans?
0: Only LeBron, who was basically like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that."
2: And generally <laughs> speaking, LeBron, like as LeBron goes, the NBA goes, right? I don't know,
0: but maybe if they were like LeBron, we're not paying you unless you do it. He would go, "All right, I'm doing it." Because <laughs> the whole like you know the whole like China thing, he was like, "Yeah, whatever, I'm down."
2: It is <laughs> it is a, it is a the weird, whole Hong Kong issue, right? Yeah. it is a weird um, relationship that the NBA has with with China. It it's it seems at some points um, very good and just like, very what? positive, but at other times it seems like a just a, a weird thing. What happens when a when a team gets this? Like it's gonna
0: right? Like how does it not happen?
1: Oh, a it team may happen. will right. Just just putting this out there and I hope everyone's enjoying the show and our, our little escapism for the day. Most of you will get coronavirus. It is going to happen. So j- just know that. Um if you're young and you're healthy, that is great. If you are older and less healthy, I am sorry. Chuck, if you're you... a fearmonger, man. That's that's not true. Was that it is <laughs> true. <laughs> Most like, I'm not saying it's gonna be 90%, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be 51 It's highly contagious. It's okay. thankfully the summer's coming up, you know, a little more outdoor space. But, but a team's gonna get coronavirus and we're gonna see delays. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what you do when. The East Coast gets it, but I think
0: I will nominate the Houston Astros to get the coronavirus. Take
1: one for the team, you
2: deserve it. <laughs> Has anybody watched any uh Houston Astros spring training yet?
0: A little bit. I it seems like every I just game... see the highlights of them getting like plunked and stuff.
2: Yeah, uh, Verlander, I think I pulled from a start today. You know, it seems like karma is coming back to bite that team in the uh rear end.
0: Well, fans are pretty, you know. They're jumping on it now. Like I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty interested to see once the season starts. You know, kind of every time the Astros go to a new city, it's just like the pure vitriol that that they're greeted with.
2: I, I can't think of another example of, I mean, maybe the Patriots, but there's so many reasons that the Patriots are despised by everyone else in the league. Um, you know, is that the best analog between? I mean, but there's no way that, like, you can inflict... Well, I mean, it's football. Everybody's going to have pain inflicted on them to some degree. But, um, you know, in baseball, there is that that certain element of it policing itself that you don't necessarily have in football, at least not... Uh, that's so much right out there, you know? So I can't think of another analog where there's a certain amount of, like, the fan base is going to be kind of be rooting for that, but the game itself is going to suspend people and then what do you do like oh i'm getting a two-game suspension for that fastball i put in that dude's ribs but he cheated in one two world series and he's got zero games uh, you know it seems like a contradiction and a it's a bad look for baseball
0: yeah i'm trying to think of like another another time a team has been universally despised by the entire
2: fan the only base. other thing i could think of that was like organizational like that was the the Saints like bounty thing, but I, you know, I didn't have quite this like bite to it.
1: Yeah. Mm. The Saints bounty thing just seemed like, like, Oh yeah, you shouldn't do that. That's a little dirty. It's a little bit of a dick move as opposed to real time cheating. And I think that's what makes the Astros so much different is the fact that through, you know, a combination of things very high tech and very low tech, They were, you know, cheating as the game went on. They were getting a heads up on which pitch was coming reliably, not through somebody figuring it out, not through somebody communicating it, not through somebody's best guess, but with reliability. Were the
0: devils sort of universally hated, you know, the exploitation of the neutral zone trap?
1: I don't know if they're universally hated. I mean, we hated them so much, but most people just followed suit. Yeah. I was you know, kind of
0: like stuck in my own hate. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, there, there was backlash. There, you know, it was like, this is ruining hockey and how quickly can my team do it? Cause look how well it works.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: Um, I, I think of the Tampa Bay lightning, uh, when they had a Guy Boucher, Uh, behind the bench and they played so passively it was a a one three one system that they would send one person to four check but kind of wait until the other team started to move it out and that was the game where the bus what's what They, they essentially parked the bus oh yeah and that was the game where um the flyers showed them up by refusing to play the puck forward (laughs) <laughs> and the Chris Pronger and Peter Laviolette, some of my favorite hockey people, and dickish to the core, just decided it's like, yeah, we're not going to play this game. And then they didn't, and they had the Cape blowing the puck dead and dropping it. <laughs> That's pretty like fun. check it out. If if hey for the new fans, check out this. This is some bit of history. It's from... on.
2: It's on YouTube. You can find like big chunks of that game where it's just like I there's I I can't think of anything else in sports where it's like literally almost like a like a like a game of chicken
1: yeah it was like I would hate it but it was both teams would just
2: be content to just let time run off the clock
1: Uh, pretty much and like the Flyers like they they told them to have to do it so they would you know pass it like like teaming into Coburn back to teaming and and then they'd And it was, oh, it was horrible to watch. Boring as sin, but it was so great. It was just being like, yeah, we're not playing this game, and we think you should have to, you know, try to play hockey like the rest of us. And they showed them up.
2: Did uh, they did they enact a a rule basically to 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 counter that? Chuck, eventually, is is that why it, it doesn't still happen, or was it one of those things where the league is just like, just knock it off?
1: I think it was the league went knock it off. There might have been some rule put into place, but the main reason was, you know, the the Flyers got an earful for doing it. Tampa got an earful, and it wasn't that successful. The players hated I mean, doing I like, it.
0: Would, would a player even want to play in a, a system like that? Like, oh, the
1: players hated it. The yeah. players hated it, and then Tampa accrued some more talented players, and so it was a short-lived thing, but. For that moment in history, it was fun to be on the right side of history.
0: At least my hockey philosophy of pull the goaltender whenever you you, you have an advantage uh, would result in more action.
2: Now, Dave, certainly. I have to tell you, uh, I had some time this afternoon, and I was uh, enjoying some NHL on my PlayStation 4. And I decided that uh, I was going to play using the Dave strategy as often as possible. Yeah, I, don't, I
0: don't know if that's going to work.
2: So – How'd it it go? The first game, I pulled the goalie with four minutes left in the second and the first period and scored a power play goal. And then I pulled him again in the second period with about a minute left, Uh, did not get scored against. And then uh, with like 10 minutes left in the third period, and I lost uh, 11 to like three. (laughs) How many of those were empty
0: netters, Gene? Uh, Eight. Okay, yeah, I don't know that I want. you. Now to I probably me. should
2: have put the goalie back in, but at that point I was like, let's 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 play this out.
0: You were committed. Yeah, Old strategy, Cotton.
2: Yeah, I like
0: it. Yeah. All right.
2: One of these days, I'm going to try and play the whole game without a goalie and see how that goes. I
0: don't think it's going to. Go I imagine ahead, not well. poorly. We'll see. Uh, you guys were talking about Jason Peters, uh, for a little bit because the Eagles are basically like, hey, well, let's. Let you test the free agent market.
2: He's what, 38 years old? you 38 or 39, yeah. Yeah. is this one of the first times you've ever universally seen a sense of agreement amongst the fan base over a player who is generally considered a first ballot Hall of Famer and popular amongst fans? Because I haven't heard a a, a counter-argument for not letting him. I've heard lots of counter-arguments for trying to sign him for another year, but I haven't heard any counter-arguments for letting him go.
0: Well, the counter-argument is, is Dillard ready to take over this blindside spot for a full season? And uh, Big V, I think, is also a free agent. So there is a bit of a risk, and it may come down. I mean, he may come back. This may be a, like, feeler out, like, let's see what you get on the open market, and then, you know, probably we'd have the right of first refusal.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: You know, he'd probably say, like, hey, do you guys want to match this?
2: Right, because I don't think that he has any desire to uproot. And, you know, he really can't have much more than maybe, I would say, at maximum two seasons. Maximum.
0: I mean, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and we're probably going to retire his number? What do you think?
2: Yeah, and, I I mean, I can't think of a better – Offensive lineman in his generation, you know what I mean? I I think he's one of the few offensive linemen that you could anyone who really follows the NFL has an idea of who he is and, and what his strengths are. Um, sure. which is pretty unique amongst offensive linemen. There are very few offensive linemen that get to that level. It'll um, be
0: interesting to see what he gets because you're got you get you're gonna have to say to yourself, like, uh, eh, how many games am I gonna get? Right? Right. You're going to get 10 Yeah, ten games, 10 full games? No. No, no. I, don't, I don't
2: think that he – and I think we saw that with him last year. I think that he, it, it's one of those things where he's going to try to give you the max effort, uh, you know, in the high leverage spots. You know what I mean? You almost spell him like you would, you know, certain defensive linemen. I, don't
0: know, I got a hard time seeing him go to, like, a new team, learn a new system on, like, a one-year deal – at this age, at, you know, at thirty-eight. Oh.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that it would be one of those. Like, things I hope
0: he was responding. You know, I'm assuming he has money.
2: Well, I mean, if he had, if his people floated this out, I think that maybe he had gotten an inquiry, maybe from somebody like Andy Reid to come to Kansas City, and and you know, I I don't know. I I think that they probably have a pretty good offensive line. They just want a, a Super Bowl, uh, but know. you he know, a,
0: Holmes running around back there, you don't know where he's gonna be.
2: I'm this just trying to think of a place where he would feel like he's—he's he's not going to go to a bad team because why would you uproot yourself to go, pl- you know, play for? We will go
0: to Dallas. What do you think he'd ever go to Dallas? I—I
2: can't, I can't see that happening. <laughs> I think the—I think the Eagles would just throw a ton of money just to keep it that from happening. <laughs> nah, I don't, I don't know. I, I would want up that in to happen. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. Do, do you guys want to to make mention yeah, of? Yeah, let's uh, talk about this now. Thankfully, and I don't know what your experience has been, I haven't heard anybody get on this this, this train, but it sounds like Jacksonville uh, has got some buyer's remorse with Nick Falls.
0: Well, yeah, right? Like, I told them they would.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like, do, do you think that that's the right decision for them? I mean, it's not like Minshew was so good that it was clear. Wouldn't you want – Nick Falls got hurt, like, and broke a collarbone – what the first quarter of the season, literally the first quarter of Not- the first game of the season? Like, wouldn't you want to go back through a whole offseason and try and, and yeah, do gonna this? What
0: you- he's going to be the, the starter in Jacksonville next year, don't you think? Well, it's, I mean, I it- know they would, I know they would prefer if they had their druthers, they would prefer to move them and just go with Minchu. But I don't, I would, if I were the Jaguars and I wouldn't be able to move Nick Foles with that contract or whatever. I would just have Foles start. I think I, Foles. Yeah. I imagine,
2: way. much like last year, his his value could not have been higher. Right now, is his is his value as low as it's probably ever been? You know what I mean? Like talk talk about a guy who's I mean, got maybe. the strangest career of a of a of a quarterback I, that I can think of. He's literally maybe above replacement level everywhere else. And he is literally a statue on the grounds of the stadium in Philadelphia. Like, Go can you
1: as a promotional thing through Bud Light?
2: But Chuck, why? <laughs> do you, why do you have to when, when why let the truth get in the way of a good urban myth? Well, no, no, no. I think it's part of the. I think it's part of the legend. How like... many other statues of former Eagles are there at the link? I don't think there's I... any.
1: I I don't know a handful, but how many statues were built by Bud Light? And I think the answer is none. I think it makes it part of, part of the legacy. Yes, but um, in seriousness, I'd start them. You you've paid so much, you know. Give him a shot. Hand them the ball and go. Hope it's just a one-year anomaly.
0: And you know, Minchu 2, Electric Boogaloo, it was not exactly lighting up the scene at the end of the end of the season last year either. So they were just kind of in a like, well, eh, what'll help situation by, by that time. So I, I think if you like let let Foles start fresh, give them the full year, you know, he'll have a he'll have a productive season. The Bud Light thing is interesting because Bud Light was so synonymous with that particular championship seat. Like, I feel like, you know, so Bud Light's like all over the place, but Bud Light that year was the year of Dilly Dilly and like the whole, you know, medieval Bud Light campaign. So I feel like Bud Light is so associated with, Super Bowl Fifty Two. That it's it's just appropriate that they built the statue.
1: Oh yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. The dilly dilly Philly Philly, you know that thing. And hey, if you win the Super Bowl, you get beer on us. It was so freaking weird. Never have I seen like a national sponsor kind of become associated with one team, like willingly so. Yeah. I-
0: yeah. I mean, I, I think they did do, they did do like some sort of like specialized commercial for like the four teams that were in the ch- on championship Sunday. But mm. I, I don't know. It just seemed like a perfect marriage of mediocre beer, falling in love with a city. I don't know. It just seems appropriate that they built the statue. I think it's funny <laughs> that you always bring it up, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely appropriate.
1: I'm just a mediocre beer. Standing in front of a city, asking you to drink way too much of me.
0: Uh, all right, let's go to Chuck's
1: penalty box. All right, thank you, Dave.
0: With the, uh, with the transition there.
1: That, that's fine. That's okay. fine. You I, can't uh, win them all. <laughs> no, you can't. No, you can't. And Gene, who is in your penalty box this week?
2: One of uh, and I'm not sure if I've put this person, uh, this sports personality, in uh, in the penalty box before. I may have, uh, and maybe for similar reasons. But um, Tim Tebow went two for 14 for your New York Metropolitans, and uh, oh, has been relegated to minor league camp. It was this was one of my favorite <laughs> stats about it. He's he's 32 years old, which was you know he's younger than I thought he was. He had his, uh, I believe it is his, uh, he was two for 27 with eight strikeouts during spring training in 2017 and went uh, an amazing 267, four for 15 in last year's spring training. Um, apparently, there was uh, some interest in him joining the XFL, which he dismissed to focus on baseball. Um, well, if this is Tim Tebow focusing on baseball, I'd hate to see. Uh, what would his <laughs> average would be if he wasn't paying attention? Uh, so I- I'm going to put Tim Debo- Tebow in in the penalty box because if he was named anything else, he would have been um, moved on to another career somewhere else in life a long time ago. But because he's named Tim Tebow, he continues to occupy a space. Uh, thankfully in the Mets farm system that should be given to somebody who has some modicum of talent and could possibly make a major league roster.
1: All right, Tim Tebow to you. I say, where's your Messiah now, Tebow? Uh, (laughs) uh, For being an offensive baseball player and a mediocre football player, I'm assigning you a 10 minute game misconduct so you can uh, kneel down on the sidelines and really, you know, think about your life and and pray on the next step in it.
0: Did you um, see him uh, fielding that routine pop-up where he just like fell
1: down? Yeah. No, I didn't, but I'll be <laughs> putting that on immediately when the show ends. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it, he is hilariously mediocre. Like he is, he is just the, Uh, And he could be making so much—he could make so much money—I guess that's an insult to mediocre—he could make so much money, like, just being on the circuit talking about inspiration. Like, he could be rolling in it, but he just—he just won't—he just won't.
1: Well, good luck to you, Tim Tebow. A few of us wish you well. Dave, who is in your penalty box?
0: I'm putting Trey Adams uh, into the penalty box. Um, So it was the Combine— last week and uh trey adams out of washington had a great answer to a question at the combine did you guys see this i did not no so he was asked um hey what what would you tr- what would you change about yourself <laughs> and uh and after a pause uh trey adams says eh, bigger dick so I'm not sure if I'm putting him in the penalty box or giving him a star uh because uh, I do applaud the honesty um but I don't really think a job interview is the place for such honesty so for that I'm putting uh Trey Adams into the penalty box
1: that's a good assessment so Trey Adams and his inadequate junk um you're getting a two minute minor for inappropriateness uh read the room read the situation but uh you're getting a minor accommodation for just going for it
2: it puts a whole different spin on wonderlick lick <laughs> oh. oh. two minute minor way to keep it short chuck <laughs>
1: chuck who's in your penalty box All right, well, it has nothing to do with penises or Jesus. Um, It has everything to do with the playoff format. Now, this is me once uh, once again going into the well of um, penalty boxes that have stockpiled, but when the Flyers were fighting for real dominance in that wild card position, I heard so much complaining about the NHL's playoff format and the fact that if the Flyers were in any other division, they they would be in the playoffs comfortably. Now, thankfully, hopefully, that's not going to be an issue for us, but the playoff format is what it is. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone in the Metro has the same hurdle. It makes the regular season more exciting and it's supposed to make for a more exciting playoff as well. That's the purpose behind it. And anytime I'd hear complaints about that, and then have people go, you know, seven of the eight Metropolitan teams, you know, are in the top 16 in the league. Now we're advocating for abolishing both conferences. It's the playoff format is what it is. Advocate for it to change in the offseason if you don't like it, but in season we all know the rules we all know the circumstances and if it makes an 82 game season more meaningful if we start watching the scoreboard legitimately in february that's not a bad thing so for people who can't stand the thing everyone agreed to playoff uh, format haters you're getting two minute penalty it would be only a minor but you're in the eastern conference then it's just more heated conversation conversation damn it competition this year
0: all right that's all the time we have for today we'll be back with you next monday with uh i don't know i guess more flyers wins probably maybe the Sixers can get on back on, can get back on track. Uh, I don't know what else. Maybe some union talk. Who knows what's going to come out of our mouths (laughs) next Monday. I don't know. But uh, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have some more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around uh, for all your weird uh, news updates. Uh, And until then, have a great day at work, everybody. We're out of here.